Welcome in, everybody. All Pro Lines, the podcast. Thanks for being here. I'm your host, Kostaki Economopoulos, comedy football talk. That's what we do here. I'm here in front of a beautiful Christmas tree. It's natural. It smells nice. I got some weird lighting because there's a lot of things going on right here in this little space. <laughs> um, uh, just do one quick technical thing and then back to you. Um, man, I got a lot to talk to you guys about. We have our guest, uh, Brian Miller, you know and love. Big fat contributor to the show. Not fat. Uh, big contributor. <laughs> Not fat at all. Kind of skinny. Little. I guess he's got some doughiness about him. Well, you, well, you decide. <laughs> worst intro ever. Actually, worst intro ever. I saw Brian Miller. It was uh, <laughs> one time we did New Year's Eve together in. Uh, where were we? It was it was Wisconsin on New Year's Eve. And the guy goes, so he he's he's bring it's the DJ. He's bringing Brian Miller on stage on New Year's Eve. They don't know he's on the bill. It's my name, and there's no listing for the opening act. They don't even know he's going to be there. And the DJ went on and goes, "How about a hand for? Oh, I should tell you something about this guy before you. He's a Vikings fan, right?" And all the people in the audience go, "Boo!" Hey, ladies and gentlemen, Brian Miller. It's like what the fuck? <laughs> horrific. Horrific. So welcome in. We'll get Brian Miller out here in a minute. Heather from Oregon. What's up, lady? Good to see you. Ron, Jerry, I got questions for you guys. Uh, the panel here. Uh, I've got an interesting question for you. It, it's a moral debate. It, we'll, we'll discuss in a sec. Um, but first, I got a couple other things to talk to you about. Number one, look at this. I was going to dance with the shirt and I forgot to do the dancing. I've got an underdog shirt on for those of you watching. Um they're our new partner. I'm very excited. That's how you know you're in business with somebody in the modern era. They send you a shirt. Uh, Underdog is a new sponsor here on All Pro Lines, uh, the digital platform as well as the podcast. They are a place where you can make prop bets, where you can go and go, I want to bet on Messi to score uh, and, uh, you know, whatever, uh, uh, Devontae Adams to get north of, uh, 92 yards. And then you pair those up. You can make any two, you can pick any two things and pair them and make a bet. You can pick any several things and pair them and make a bet for a big amount of money. Um, they also do this cool thing where you draft, you can actually draft a team for DFS, which is super cool. You actually do a mini draft where you draft like six players and, or you could play against each other or you could draft that within a group of small, a small group of players and then play in a big tournament on DFS. It is a super cool platform, and we're proud to have them. Uh, go to underdog.com and use the use the pro, uh, promo code ALLPROLINES, and we'll match your first deposit up to 100 bucks. So if you put in 100 bucks, we put in 100 bucks, you get 200 bucks. That's what I did. That's what I did. I got an extra 100 bucks. Uh, so it's nice. Um, another thing I want to talk to you guys about, I did. Uh, I went to the Chris Rock I went to the Chris Rock Dave Chappelle show last week. Oh my goodness. It was great. It was long and it started, first of all, it starts late, it starts super late. And an hour of things happened before we see either one of those two guys. There were two other comics who were good, did a good job, tricky situation. Uh, they thought they were good, very good. Uh, and then most deaf comes out with his partner and they're rapping and going back and forth. Uh, then Chris Rock, which is one of the questions I had, who's headlining this show? Chris Rock went first and did like an hour and five. And then Dave Chappelle comes out and does about an hour, maybe a little less than an hour. Uh, it was great. Those guys are crazy geniuses, maybe two of the top five of all time. Um, it was in the round. So there's like 14,000 people there. I was in the 11th row and uh, I was there watching them. Security has been beefed up. There's no rushing the stage to be done. Uh, it was cool. It was really cool. Um, and then afterwards, I got to shake hands with Dave and chat with him for a sec. And uh, and uh, Chris, I didn't get to speak to, but he sort of brushed by me at the after party. And uh, uh, there were a lot of other big shots there. It was, it was cool. It was a lot of big name comics who kind of came to kiss the ring. Fluffy was there. And... Uh, uh, Elon Gold, I chatted with for a minute. Um, I talked to Fluffy for a sec as well. Um, trying to think of some of the other names. Um, but the, uh, anyway, it was cool. It was 
It was great. A buddy of mine who I used to work for runs a black club and he, he booked Dave on his first headline gig and Dave credits him with, uh, with, uh, that being an important moment in his career story. And he learned how to write differently and it affected sort of how he felt about himself and the process. And so Dave's kind of, you know, been loyal to this guy and, uh, and, so he was able to weasel me a ticket and invites, he invites some of his other friends and family. And we all went, it was great. It was a super cool event. I don't know this sounds crazy. I, this might not be something I should even say in public, but also I was struck by these are smart, menschy, interesting, thoughtful guys who are doing good jokes. They're executing at a very high level. But it was also, it felt accessible. Like, oh, they're not doing something that's from another planet from what I'm doing. It's not that far above what I'm doing. You know, like, it's above what I'm doing. I don't, I'm not comparing myself to Chris Rock and Dave Chappelle. But I am saying it's the same universe of thing. And it didn't feel like another planet in the way that sometimes things like that could and have to me in the past. It felt like, oh, it's smart guys doing good jokes. Like, ah, it's cool. It felt... It felt like, okay, we're all in this same game together. They're they're achieving at a crazy level, but it's uh, we're all in this together. I, that's how I felt. I don't know if that's crazy or not, but anyway. Um, so that was cool. And I just came from another thing that's very interesting and cool. Uh, Krista and I, my ex and I, just did for the first time, uh, we did a minor, a small version of it. We did a 20-minute version of the divorce show, which we're experimenting with and writing on and developing. We come out, we do like about a minute together. She did about eight minutes by herself. I did another seven, eight minutes by myself. And then she comes back on and then we take questions and kind of interact with the audience. We're trying to develop this as a thing and see if it sort of sings. And the early returns are good. Oh my goodness. People are, they're like, what is happening? Two divorced people talking in a friendly way about what they went through and what's going on. And we both have some good jokes about it. And it was, I, you know, these kind of, it's taken a swing. It's taken a swing and another thing, but uh, it was good. First, the early returns are good. We're going to run it in a real club in a good situation on Saturday night in front of a couple of uh, manager types and uh and a bunch of friends and some folks we can try to weasel in so if anybody's in the la area on saturday uh i think i just got a link for five dollar ticket we have we have a code for discounted tickets so if you're in town on uh on saturday night uh this saturday it's going to be our first real run at it we're going to do about an hour of it together uh maybe an hour plus um so come check it out and i'll report back and let you know how it's going uh let's do a few jokes and uh we'll bring in brian miller we got a few other people jumping in here hey kyle what's up man good to see you uh ron milford likes the divorce thing all right i have a i have a i have a moral question that's sort of around football that's kind of interesting it's a little bit complicated i think i'm going to wait for brian to come on and, and get him involved in the conversation and i want input from you guys who are here on facebook live um, I know most of you are not here right now. Most of you are listening later and we don't love you any less for that. So thanks for listening. Uh, but we'll get the folks here in on the conversation a little bit. Um, all right, the two minute drill. Tom Brady says he's open to all options next season. There's nothing like getting divorced to help a man see the benefits of free agency, right? And like most every other American man, uh, all of the options are on the table for him. He's available for all kinds of things, uh, except for carbs. I think that's why we love Tom Brady's diet, because he's got everything we could ever dream of. But we have French fries, and he'll never have those. So Buccaneers lost 35-7. to 7. They got boat raced. That's what the kids call it, right, when you get smashed in a good thing now. That's what the kid, I don't know how we got to that, but they got boat race, which is not common for a bunch of pirates, right? We got the pirate power rankings. We got Johnny Depp, number one, Captains Crunch and Morgan tied for second. The Somali guy who kidnapped Tom Hanks. That's number four. Number three, number four, Tom Brady. Number five, the starting quarterback from Penzance. 
Is that even a joke that makes sense? <laughs> the Pirates of Penzance, everybody. All right. Russell Wilson hit his head pretty hard on the turf. He's in concussion protocol. The Broncos are rifling through their warranty paperwork to see if they can return him to the Seahawks. Surely Colorado has a lemon law or something. How can you even tell if Russell Wilson has a concussion? He starts acting weird. What is he, sort of cheesy and plasticky and disconnected from reality? Is he soullessly promoting a brand without any real humanity under it? I think that's regular Russell Wilson. <laughs> Doctors became concerned when he expressed a sincere emotion. All right. I don't know if it's even fair to make fun of Russell Wilson. I haven't even decided if it is, but it's it seems okay. He's he's a weirdo. He's a he's a at least a weirdo. All right, Jets running back Bam Knight got his nickname from banging his toys in the playpen. Jets quarterback uh, Cougar Slayer Wilson got his nickname from banging his friend's moms in college. See, that's different. That's different. All right, here's a this is a funny. I, I like this kind of joke. It's a little long and cumbersome and hard to follow, but this is the kind of thing I like. All right. Uh, Dak and Zeke got fined 13000 They each got the same fine. $13,261 for the celebration when Zeke jumped into the big Salvation Army bucket. That's pretty specific. $13,261. Like, what? I imagine some weird NFL punishment czar with a crazy chart. He's going down the row. All right, roughing the passer. I know, sir. Celebrations. And then he goes across the row, spanking a cheerleader, pretending the Buccaneer cannon is on is your penis, jumping in the Salvation Army. But oh, here it is. Oh, that's thirteen thousand two hundred sixty-one. <laughs> How do they come up with these numbers? It's preposterous. Spanking a cheerleader, non-consensual. Oh, that's a much higher fine. You see, if you if you plan it ahead of time. Then it's still a fine, but at least you're being a decent human being. If you just spank the lady without her, that's no good. You gotta, that's gotta be a bigger fine. Pretending someone else's penis is the buccaneer cannon. They see that again. It's higher, non-consensual, even higher. Again, consensual is important. If there's one takeaway from this podcast, it's be a decent human being in your lives. Uh, Ravens and Steelers both play without their starting quarterbacks which is what I wish the Democrats and Republicans would do, right? Can we just try new starters? I don't know if either of these two guys would pass concussion protocol, but I like the idea of a fresh start. The Eagles look good, man. They really do. Uh, they have more weapons available than the Merchant of Death. We had to do a Merchant of Death cut joke in here somewhere, right? That's the news this week. Brittany Griner for the Merchant of Death. That's a debatable trade, but we should have at least made them take the Russell Wilson contract. That seems fair, right? Brock Purdy might be hurt, too. He's got an oblique injury. He's the third stringer. What are they going to do if he's out? Who's the backup to Purdy? Is it not so Purdy? Is it great personality? Is it Patrick Mahomely? These are the jokes, everybody. Ah, <laughs> uh, the Rams picked up Baker Mayfield and immediately won a game. I live in LA. I'm amazed he was even able to drive to the stadium in only two days. Right. Baker's the rare example of somebody who moved to LA and raised his confidence. Usually in LA, you go to find out there's thousands of other people trying to get the same job that you want, and they're all better looking. Yeah, it's not as it's not as good. All right. You know him, you love him. It's Brian Miller. Let's get him in here. Hey, hello. Hey, buddy. What's up? Oh, I can't hear you. Fix something. You deleted yourself. You muted yourself. Do I have power over you this way? Can I mute you? According to my readings, it's on your end. It's you. You're doing it. Fix it. Presumably, I'd want to talk to you. Maybe. There we go. There you are. All right. Yeah. So you can make fun of Russell Wilson. I think it's imperative to make fun of Russell Wilson. <laughs> I think you can make fun of Russell Wilson for things you normally <clears throat> shouldn't be able to make fun of people for. Like, you, you know, he gets like embarrassingly dumped. You still get to make fun of him because he has commodified himself so thoroughly that, like, it's like, oh, now I'm supposed to consider your humanity? It's like, you've removed <laughs> all humanity from the debate for a long time. Like, if you're mean to Josh Allen, you're like, well, what did Josh Allen ever do to anybody? <laughs> but is it, 
But are, are we exaggerating it? Did it just become a trendy thing to see this in him? We didn't see it before. Did it yeah, change? He's a psychopath. When you remember, he was like, a, he even like burns his own teammates. He was like, everybody else is on the flight sleeping, and I'm high stepping it up and down the aisles or whatever. It's like, you got to even look oh, no, phony. No question, he is a cheesy, sort of unaware weirdo. But is it beyond that, or is it just that? I mean, I just don't think there's a there there. I think he's like an empty human being. Like famously, Peter Sellers uh, said in a sketch one time, he said that when, you know, he's like, there is no Peter Sellers. He's like, I'm only playing who I, who I, I'm only somebody when I'm pretending to be somebody. Otherwise I'm empty. And I think Russell is just like an empty pair of Nikes waiting to be filled. You know, now he's a hell of a quarterback for a long time. What right? happened? Undeniable. What is he doing this year? You know, some guys fall off a cliff kind of fast. He, he, we think of him as it's younger, not I think. Time. It's not time to fall off a cliff. He's supposed to have five more years of no cliff. Well, we're used to that now, but I think it used to be more common that people would get worse a little sooner. Plus, his style really does not suit that modified older guy style. Yeah, he's the style that you you sort of you slowly shift into more pocket pl- yes. plays, right? Like, I but- see Mahomes will do this too, right? But Mahomes will, I think, translate nicely because like if you made the guy stand still and throw, he's just got an incredible arm. He just yeah. has all these other assets. But Wilson has a good arm, but really throwing on the run was always, to me, his key move. Which Kirk yeah. Cousins, by the way, can literally can't do. When Kirk Cousins' <laughs> legs move, his arms like go to his sides. He can't do it. But <laughs> Russell can throw great on the run. Mahomes can do both. And so you, you can see Mahomes becoming a smarter Brady-style passer. You know, okay. a little bit of a pocket statue, and he's 38. I think it turns out Russell just isn't going to be an older quarterback. Right. Okay. He's going to be a backup soon. It just doesn't feel right. They just gave him a giant mountain of money to save the team and they gave away all the picks and everything. This might Two be years the, from now. He'll be backing up next year's first round draft pick. This literally could be the worst trade in NFL history. If he continues on the current, I feel like there's going to be a, a turn in the road where he figures it out and gets better. But I've thought that for 14 weeks now and I've been wrong so far. Yeah. I, don't, I wouldn't put money on it. I wouldn't put money on it. Hmm. All right. That's a good segue to my first question for you. Money. I have a moral question. Sure. You're a thoughtful, moral, upstanding, interesting in a, dude. In an abstract way. I don't know if I'm moral, but I'm abstractly interested in morality as, <laughs> as other people see it. All right. I'm in a football pool. You ever played in a football pool? I mean, I have, you know, I don't like do the gambling and the numbers, but uh, which kind of pool is? Are we talking like a survivor pool or a pick 'em? Like a yeah, this one's a pick 'em pool and it's confidence. It's not the one that I run for the charity. It's a totally different thing, and it's it's for money. I mean, it's not a lot of money, but it's enough money that you should make good decisions. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not completely arbitrary. Yeah, yeah. So it's about forty people are in the pool. Mm -hmm. It's ten bucks a week. So at the beginning of the year, you just boom, 170 bucks and you're in for the year. That's what most people do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, there's a season long prize, but I, I'm mostly interested in the weekly prize. The weekly prize is about 400. Okay. So it's a big number relative to the, what you're wagering. Cause sure. only, there's only one winner. Um, so the situation is this, there are two of us who have enough points to win tonight if our team comes in and she reached out to me via email and asked if we just each pick the other team if you want to split it kind of thing and so my question is is that collusion because she doesn't think it is and i immediately thought oh that's collusion and i've been thinking about it and i've listened and i read her email she does not see it as collusion. She would never suggest something that she thought was collusion. She sees it as a different thing. She sees it as a strategic move. So here's the thing. In, in my head, what I'm worried about is the two of us, if we each just pick a team and it happens to be opposite teams and we block everybody else out, that's kind of what happens. That's life. Right. But if we share information with each other and use it to box everyone else out and split the money, that feels like we're we're doing something with more information than all of the other parties have in order to keep them out. 
There's so, something about that. So it's that not just between the, the two of you. This isn't just a deal where we'll split the prize money. It's like one of you is going to for sure win, one or the other. It's not that. It's it, the way it's set up. If I pick X and she picks Y, one of us will win. Sure. But there's a world where if you both pick X or both X pick Y or both pick then, Y, somebody else could win. And then that team doesn't win. Lots of other people are in play. Ooh. Depending on that's what they where it pick. changes. Because I, so I used to run a comedy contest for many years, sponsored by this uh, Republican group on campus. And they would give us a bunch of money. And, um, they really wanted to do a contest, which I didn't want to do. So I got it to be every comic gets a hundred dollars for doing it. But then there's a $500 prize for which of the five comics wins this kind of arbitrary contest. Right. So that's the deal. So I would always tell the comics before the show, I would say I, I'm paid regardless. Cause I book it. It doesn't matter. I'm not eligible for the prize. I would always tell them you guys decide amongst yourselves. You can choose right now. You can either do the contest, which is pretty damn arbitrary. It was voted on by the students. You know, and like, what a bunch of 19 year olds know about comedy, right? I go, right. so in that case, if you win, you get 500 extra dollars, 600 total dollars. Or you could all make the deal to handshake and split the prize regardless. Now there's no arbitrary contest and everyone just guaranteed gets $200. Right. And I would always put this up to the comics and they chose differently different years. Now, huh. I never felt bad about it. First off, I had no, I got the same amount of money anyway, so it didn't matter to me. But I always didn't like the contest element, and I wanted to try to trick the arbitrariness away. But then I was like, hey, if you guys want to roll the dice and you think you can win. Now, what, inevitably what happened every year that they decided to split it was whoever won was pissed. Because <laughs> they're like, oh, if I hadn't agreed to do this, I'd be walking out with $600. Right, right. So that, but, but I never felt bad because there, no one was going to lose money outside of that group and they were all in on it so i didn't feel that was collusion right but this and i would say so in this case if basically she was saying look one of us is gonna win why don't we both make sure we make our money back as soon as there's a third person who could theoretically win without your collaboration that's different <clears throat> that does i feel like become collusion if it was just between the two of you and you were saying, wouldn't you rather have $200 for sure than $400 maybe? I don't think it's good. Right. But as soon as there's a third team that could benefit or mm, the opposite of benefit, suffer from your collusion, now it's kind of collusion. I think it's collusion. I think it is too. We decided not to do it just for the record because it's a little bit of a gray area because I, I brought up the concern about it. So it's not something that we're doing that's morally questionable, but it is an interesting question. I think, <coughs> you could, I think you could see it, just to play devil's advocate, I think you could see it as the gamesmanship of the situation of we're going to play balls out and if you can call somebody and go, hey – you do this, I do that. We're, we're squeezing these four people out of the conversation. I think if everyone knows that going in, that's part of the strategy. But I feel like there's a presumption of, of no information for all the parties equally, and you have to decide and game, game it up, right? If you were all sitting around a table, right? Let's just say you're, you're watching the games on a Sunday, and you're all watching them together. And then at some point, you have this idea, and you're shooting the ideas openly back and forth and other people witness it and then they get a chance to maybe object or not right then it's different but even if you were very open about this it would feel backdoory because it's not like a public decision you know yeah i remember this came up with my brother in a different pool a couple of years ago it was it the last three were me and travis and andreas and travis and i realized mm -hmm. that if we talked to each other we could lock andreas out of it and and we were actually teasing Andreas that we were going to do this. And then we decided that it was wrong and didn't. But man, it was close. We almost did. <laughs> yeah. And also just, I'm always kind of the, like, I kind of don't want to win a, a, anything unless I win it right. You know, it, it feels an asterisk. It feels tainted. You know, I don't want, I don't need somebody yeah. counting on a trash can lid like the Astros or, you know, whatever. I don't want to be the yeah, Barry yeah. Bonds of fantasy football. Yeah. Jonathan says in poker, we chop the pot. Yeah, that was one of my suggestions. I go, we could do a save where whoever wins gives the other one a hundred bucks. That way we've both already won and then you still play it out for a little, for most of it. If either of you win, if the third party wins, then it's a wash. Now that's fine. I think that's fine too, but 
if I go, hey, I'm picking the Patriots so that she can pick the Cardinals and no one else can win, that feels yeah. I don't know. That I feels like I don't like it either. No. The more I talk about it, the more I think not doing that is the right choice. Even though I think there's an argument to be made that it's okay, I don't want to be the guy making that argument. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. This goes back to our thing about cheating with the the Tour de France and all the other mm-hmm. stuff. Like, what? Wh- why are you trying to win a fucking fishing tournament by putting lead weights in your fish, you asshole? Yeah, now, like, if you were like, look, I need $200 because I got to go buy some uh, antibiotics for my daughter because she's sick. <laughs> I'd be like, hey, you do what you got to do if you got a Jean Valjean bread stealing situation going on. <laughs> but if we're just talking about a couple hundred dollars on a sports bet, it's like, no, no, no. Win it fair and square or don't win. Yeah. Well, but that's, I do an even, that's an even weirder answer. It's okay to cheat if it's worth a lot of money? That's your answer? No, 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 no. <laughs> I think it would be okay to cheat if you were doing it because, like I said, that you like needed to feed your family. It was some desperate situation, you know? It's like, well, all right, then, you know, whatever. So you're, but, back, uh, you're back into, is it okay to steal a loaf of bread to feed my child? Yeah, bake? I mean, right, I literally, okay. Les Miserables is a 1,200-page argument, that, and it boils down to, yes. <laughs> you can summarize all 1,200 pages of Les Mis's. Sure. Well, that saves me a lot of time because I saw that show and didn't understand what was happening. (laughs) Beautiful music, though. Man. All right. The house. (laughs) with a handshake and a women's smile. Yeah. (laughs) So I was. I've been racing around doing all of these other things. I did this crazy divorce show with Krista. It was fascinating. I can't believe. How was that? It was really. It was. You're a comic. You're and you know her. it weirdly sings. It has an electricity about it because people have never seen anything like it. And they can't believe that there's two comics who are getting along, who are getting divorced. It's it, it has electricity that maybe it d- doesn't even deserve. How do you structure the, it? Well, that's what we, that's what we're experimenting with tonight. We did a 20 minute version. We opened with a minute together where it's, we each kind of have a couple lines Mm-hmm. And then I leave and she does 10 and then I came and did 10 and then we answer questions at the end. That was going to be kind of the way I would say it would work best. A little, oh, really? A little, yeah. Oh, I think you need a little unity up top. I think that, that I think you guys appearing on stage up top makes it clear that like beyond even just the premise, like we're not backstage in separate dressing rooms, hating each other. You know, we're right, not, we're not right, Nick right. and Keith, you know, right. can't be on the same tour bus. So that makes it feel everyone else feel okay to laugh. They don't feel like they're hurting your feelings or the other person's feelings. Makes them right. feel good about it. Then I think you want solo time. I mean, right? Like that's most of what it is now, yeah, and it right. might morph into something else. But right yeah, now, it's but just then I think what you do is comics. You, you add, you add the together. Like so, then you do the solo time and then together time, and the more stuff that you add to the act that's together time, you just lengthen the together time and shorten the solo time. Right, if it works, if it sings yeah. enough. If you could turn yeah. it into like an hour or an hour and a half show. That's what I'm worried about. Because Saturday we're doing, it's like 60 or 70 minutes. And I'm worried we're she's going to do her act. I'm going to do my act. And then we're going to do this last part together. And if that's flat, we're like, well, it's going to be flat for 20 more minutes. <laughs> it's long. Uh, I mean, you might consider that's my doing only an extra five about your previous relationship or something? Yeah, Maybe right. Had this I'll borrow some other jokes that are tangentially related to yeah. the Yeah, because well, eventually, right. if you if you prep it enough, run the short version, you'll build the second, the end enough, and then the, the solo stuff will just be easily, you know, modifiable. Um, yeah, that's what I think. That's why my original suggestion was let's book it in fucking Tucson somewhere and do it six times and then come yeah. back and show people. Like, I don't want to do it in Los Angeles when we don't even know what it is yet. Um. I think you do a little of the, what you're doing now. Then you do the Tucson thing. Because I think you need to do it a few times to get the rhythm of it before you do the Tucson part. No, but I think I you're disagree. right about it. For me, I'm a creature of the road. I'd much rather suck in Tucson on Wednesday and work on it. And by Saturday, it's, it rocks, you know? Right, but you can do the short version in LA is my point. Like, Because you really all, all you want to work on is the together part. So you can do a super short version of it, focus on the together part. And then that way, when you go to Tucson, you've got enough that you don't worry they're going to end on a blah. Plus, I think the Q&A means you're always going to end on a high note because people like a Q&A. What is, why is that? It's weird. I don't know. They do. Well, I mean, you're quick. It's the easiest thing. Yeah. 
Well, but you know what? It's um, it's people like spontaneity, and audiences can't always tell what's spontaneous and what's planned. I find that right. to be fascinating. What people think? Oh, you you made all that up. You made all that stuff up about that. And you're like, no, it's I've been doing that for seven years. And then the part that you ad lib, they're like, oh, well, now I could tell you had jokes about that. You know, I made all that shit up. Like, <laughs> nobody ever knows. So I think the Q and A is very clearly. That is true okay. that amateurs are very bad at knowing what good is and what, what you know, all that stuff. Yeah, Plus that's a good the point. Q&A, what then, I mean, I'm not telling you anything. The Q&A is anytime somebody asks a really interesting question that you have a funny answer to, you just build that back into the act. So then you, every time there's an interesting question, you turn that into a bit that you do together. Right. And tonight, so you're, the, you're building tonight actually, I had the luxury of not having done most of my bits and I was able to put a bit in the answer. I Perfect. did it the other way. But that's what you do. The more, the less solo time you do, then you're saving those for essentially the Q and A. You know, how to, you know, the you old know BS you, you lead somebody you're, you're to gonna be fine. You're, you're gonna be fine, kid. You're gonna be. Yep. Yeah. yeah. No, I think it's a good plan. Jonathan here says, uh, "Get Caroline in on it." <laughs> <laughs> that sounds complicated. Let the two of them be, beat you to a pulp. That sounds. I was fun. gonna say. I think the bad news is that, that you sounds... you would somehow turn into the odd man out on that pretty fast. Oh yeah, they they would commiserate on the things about me that suck. That sounds like a hell of a fun show for me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, Glenn Grizzard's in here. Look at that guy. What's up, man? Good to see you. <laughs> uh, Do you Heather feel says... like the audience? Um, bleh. Do they favor, I don't mean favor as a comic, but like, do they seem to have more sympathy for either one of you based on the divorce or do they, does it seem like a 50-50 thing? You know, that's a good question. That's one of my concerns because on Saturday, it's going to be a little heavily weighted female and more specifically female friends of Krista. So some of my jokes that might have a little extra bite to them might sound like me being an asshole instead of me being a nightclub comic. Sure. You know? uh, so that's one of the many things we're going to have to experiment and see sort of how it flies. And we've already kind of run the jokes with each other. And, you know, she had a few that she was like, please don't say that, you know? <laughs> interesting yeah and i had one that i was like i don't know if that's really you know so i we're working on it it's in, it's an interesting exercise at least I've, I've been surprised how i've been surprised when we talk to people about it and and tonight and and working on it like some of it really sings it's weird i can see where, it's a good concept um i can i can see where it works real well it's uh just like anything like that, it's a little tough to build because it's hard. You kind of just have to do it in front of people. It's not, you know, you can do some notebook with writing with it, but ultimately that structure and that format just got to be a little bit field tested. Yeah. And we did two, we've done two shows now where not, not a show together, just two, yeah. just a show where there's, we're both on the show and we were open about divorcing from each other. Mm -hmm. And in one of those shows, it was like fantastically electric like all of the beats about the divorce and the jokes and the thing and the crowd work. Like I came on after she talked about getting a divorce from me. And then I did like, I think it's 16 minutes. A lot of it's crowd work and it's right off the top. Now, most of the times when I'm doing my nightclub, my, my nightclub act, that's a cheesy way to say it. When I'm doing stand up, I don't, I don't mention divorce in the first 20 minutes. That comes later. I want right. them to like well, you don't me. Want to, and... Yeah, you want to make them like you before you like give them some maybe more difficult to process stuff that makes them... Because then every divorced woman instantly is like, hmm, he's kind of like my ex-husband. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, yeah. You want them to like you before you get to that. Yeah, it's interesting. Ryan Chambers. <laughs> Are you going to tell the I don't know maybe joke? Because man, that would be hilariously awful. Yeah, it's a good point. That's an old joke that I haven't done in years, but it's funny and it's true, and it's about Krista. See, Krista doesn't mind that kind of joke. She's okay with that. She doesn't just doesn't want it to be super mean spirited. That's more of like that's more what uh, lots of other women would have an issue with because it's sort of revealing about her own sexuality. Um, if you don't know the joke I'm referencing and you want to know, I'm not going to do it here. It's ridiculous. But it is on all of my social media platforms from about a week ago. Go find it. It's a funny joke. That's a bad, uh, I always like that joke a lot. That, it's a true story. It's very funny. I don't That's know. the best kind of joke when it yeah. kind of falls in your lap because it's a real thing. And then you just have to figure out how to say it. 
Um, all right. I don't talk about my, it's funny. I think people probably think I talk about my wife a lot on stage, but then if you actually break it down, I tell you very, very little about her. Oh, right. Yeah. My act is not very revealing about her at all. Kind of intentionally. Yeah. And I've, I have the full range and I, in looking at it through the eyes of, I'm going to have to tell these jokes in front of Krista and her friends. It kind of changes the way that, you know, as I've just been writing jokes for standup, some of them are crazy mean, some of most of them are not even about her. They're just about divorce. Sure. Some of some of them are quite personal. Some of them are silly. Some of them are dark. Some of them are dirty. I have to kind of go through and go, what fits in this situation? Um, some of them are kind of bitter. Some of them are a little embarrassing to me. Some, you know, and there's a few new jokes. I just bought condoms last week. I wrote a couple of lines about that. Congratulations. I know. Right. I haven't done that in 10 years. That was weird. Um, So I, you know, I don't. I I just put it in crypto. You got about an equal (laughs) chance of getting your value back out. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) I do have a new thing about Tinder too, like swiping on what a fucking it's a disaster. Tinder is so much worse than even I thought it was gonna is be. Is it still existent? Yeah, it's uh, but it's huh. awful. It is terrible. I think I think I think all the serious people have moved on to other apps. Yeah, I think that's probably true. <laughs> it felt like something I, you know, it felt like you ain't gotta at least experience this. Good sure. luck, everybody. I think every married guy who was never single during the Tinder era at least had a little bit of a Tinder fantasy. I don't mean about like just about the idea of this like plentiful hookup, like right. Oh, right. you just you know, it's like 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 uh, like one of those Dick Cheney fenced hunts where they just like let the duck out right in front of you. You know, like, oh, you can't even miss, <laughs> man. They're just they're just throwing ducks right out in front of you. You know, every married guy like imagines it's going to be that, and then of course <laughs> I, I I've never been on it. I can only assume the reality probably not as exciting, or there'd be a lot more divorces. One guy would be like, get divorced, tell all his buddies, he's like, seriously, you you won't even believe how awesome yeah, it is. Yeah. And then like, <laughs> there'd be like a 50% spike in divorces if it was really that cool. It's like <laughs> whenever you see one of those pills and it's like, take this pill and in three weeks, it'll grow your boner two inches. And you're like, <laughs> if you had a pill that made your dick two inches bigger, you don't need advertising. Word <laughs> of mouth is going to go pretty fast around that. <laughs> Jerry Oliver says, Am I, do I have the right podcast? I thought this was all cool. <laughs> It's Fair. a game of inches, Gary. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. There. All right. I have no no prep. Let's do a few of the segments that we do here. Well, it's a long time coming, but I'm going to give kudos to the Atlanta Falcons. Oh. Who are on a bye this week. They couldn't fuck anything up. But they have decided to change quarterbacks. Okay. Our long oh. national nightmare is over. They're 5-8. and eight. They're all but mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. And let's see the kid. Let's see the third-round kid who took Cincinnati to the final four when he was a college player. Cincinnati's never good at football and they were good the year he was the quarterback. That's enough of a reason to give this scrappy kid a chance and see if anybody on that team can throw the fucking football. 
I always wanted to call him Marcus Mediocre, but he was never good enough to earn the nickname. It's funny. There, were, there was a narrative that happened more than once in the last three months that Marcus Mariota is showing us and he's good and he's better than anybody thought and he deserves a place in this league. The answer to that, no, that's not true. He's not, he is likable and I root for him. And I think there's a scrappiness about him that is compelling, but he is not a starting caliber NFL quarterback. He's the 43rd best quarterback in the world, which is an amazing achievement. I am not the 43rd best comedian in the world. So I still am saying good to you, good for you, sir. You're, you're doing a great job. Hang in there. Enjoy life. But I don't want you as my quarterback anymore. Beat it. I want a shot at something different. He's got backup written all over him. Yeah. And he has been a backup for a few years, you know. And he will be again. Yeah, I think he's a great backup. I, I mean, he's you, a legitimately good backup for. Oh yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, if yeah. you can get the forty third best quarterback in the world to sit on your bench, that's that's what yeah. you want. Hundred percent. So he'll, yeah, he'll he should have a few more years in the league uh, holding the clipboard. And uh, you know, if the Vikings had him as their backup, and you know, God forbid they had to play him, at least you go. Well, if the team was kind of good, we could still win. You know, right. he's a guy who could still get you a couple wins, but he's definitely the guy. If you're if your quarterback breaks his leg and it's out for the season, you go, "Oh, we're done." We're done. <laughs> but I think that the most you can really hope for in a quarterback, a backup, is two wins. Can this guy get us two wins? Yeah, that's right. That's what I mean. I, you know, when the forget his name, the kid who came in and did it for the Cowboys, everyone was like, "I can't believe he can win." You Cooper know, Rush. Like yeah. yeah, Cooper Rush. That's what you want. Yeah, but the Cowboys were a really good total team. Right. And, uh, you know, they would still win a few more with Cooper, but no one would think of him as a playoff threat. That's right. Yeah, sure. that's right. So that's, that's where but that's okay. Like I said, that's you go, Cooper Rush, you're doing a hell of a job, you know. And Case Keenum, to me, is like, he's always, like, to me, my perfect example of number 33. Where, like, ooh, he almost always seems kind of better than at least one starting quarterback, but he never keeps a starting quarterback job, which kind of argues against him actually being the – 31st best quarterback. Right. Yeah. But when right. Case is your backup, you go, oh, we got two wins in us with a backup. No problem. <laughs> All right. You got some kudos. You got some taps. I do. Uh, speaking of quarterbacks, uh, taps to Baker Mayfield for doing it again. I love when he it's kind of a Nick Folesy but funnier situation. I like when the guy who's clearly not good enough does the thing where he plays really well about <laughs> once every two years to keep himself in these better contracts. I think, uh, uh, you know, uh, the Packers have had a couple of guys like, oh, Matt Flynn was a little like that. The Vikings old Tavares Jackson. Those guys are just have just enough of a flash and then they suck for a while. And then they have one good game and they go, you know what? Maybe he should be the starting quarterback of the, you know, the whatevers. And then no, he shouldn't. Um, so look for the Baker to continue to be terrible for the rest of the seasons and the Rams to continue to be terrible. But for one shining moment, he made that deal seem like a sweet deal. Right. Yeah, that's right. Where, where what do you the hell rank? else do they have going on anyway? It's fun. I mean, they've got nothing to, I mean, they're, they've got their Super Bowl rings and now they're going to have to pay their dues with all the money they spent. And then they're yep. going to spend it for the next three years for guys that are not playing anymore. And uh, yeah, where does, where's Baker Mayfield rank current quarterbacks? 40-ish? Yeah, he's the same, right? He's he's a backup. He's better than Mariota? Yeah. Yeah, I would say. Here's the thing. I think Mariota almost for sure will never do anything for you. Baker every now and then <laughs> will do something for you. Every now and then. Because I should be I fair. Yeah. Mariota won five games with the fucking Falcons this season. Yeah, but was it him? I don't know. It's, <laughs> it seemed like it was more defense and rushing. I don't know. Mariota just isn't good. But the Falcons aren't good. No. The Vikings were so bad, I left during the second half. I wasn't the game. I was at home. But <laughs> as soon as they, uh, as soon as the Lions ran that punt back, I was like, I'm going to the movies. <laughs> I just went to the movies. That, that's an interesting clarification. I left during that game. I did not. I was at the game. I was at my house, and I left. I stopped watching. That's it. even more spiteful in a way. <laughs> you know, if you're at the game and it sucks, you're beating traffic. I wasn't beating traffic. I was like, this sucks too bad to watch. I'm going somewhere where I... Literally can't find out what the score is. Now, what happened with the Vikings? You're, you're the you're a Vikings guy. Of course, you know, Ron Milford's a Vikings guy. We have a lot of Vikings people in our worlds here, but uh, you're my guy I talked to here. I, it felt like they were on trajectory to be the 
fourth best team in the league and get to the playoffs and fourth best team or fourth best record that's the question well that's another question but i felt like they were sort of in the conversation for that mm-hmm. in the last couple of games it's been like ooh eh, ooh right how much does that dent your hopes and the story for the arc well, my hopes aren't very high to start with. Here's the thing. there's I don't think anybody feels like the Vikings could beat the Eagles or probably the Cowboys. It seems highly unlikely. Um, they could beat some other teams in the NFC. Uh, but the, their secondary is so tenuous and so weak that when you lose a guy like Harrison Smith, they just they fall apart. Um, they also had just some bad – they had some bad coaching decisions, some bad luck. Um, it just this this game was just the inverse of the other ones. Well, they they could have won this Lions game with with a couple of plays going the other direction, but they didn't. They went the other way, kind of like the Jets game. They probably should have lost, but a couple of things went their way. Um, but yeah. I, I do think it was ultimately what's going to doom them is their defense sucks. Um, and I don't know why Zadarius Smith is suddenly not getting to the quarterback. I wonder if he's totally healthy. Think they would be better off just setting him for a game or two. Uh, and I think they probably will ultimately do that before the playoffs. They just really need to win one. This would be the one to win. But uh, I think the Viking, Vikings are going to get the three seed. They're locked in. Call it now. Like, Cowboys are going to lap them, maybe. I don't even know if the Cowboys can, actually. They have a weird tiebreak thing with them, but I don't know. It's going to be uh... – Well, they're not getting the bye, so whatever it is, they're sort of in the mix with the – they oh, don't wait, get no, to play the, Eagles, the worst no, team. Because the Eagles are in the uh... – because the Eagles are in the East, so the Eagles have that. So, yeah, the Cowboys are going to get the wild card regardless of their schedule being worse or better or worse than the Vikings. Oh, uh, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, so the Vikings yeah. are just going to wind up with the two or three spot. Probably the three. So then they have to win how many games? Like when you're in the playoffs and you, you want to be Super Bowl champion, how many games are left? They got there's to win two, wild card weekend, divisional. Two teams have a bye. So there's they have three, three games in the Super Bowl. They got to win four. So it's four. Yeah, okay. only the Eagles and probably, gosh, you know, in the AFC, it's kind of open. I guess it could be the Chiefs or the Bills. Yeah, that's what we thought going into the season. Yep. It's Unsurprising. Of, For a minute yeah. there, it looked like the Bills might have it kind of more locked up. But And hey, the Chargers actually looked more like what we imagined them being this year last night. So that was fun. More fun with the Chargers playing well. I don't, yeah. I don't really care about the Chargers. It's just more fun if Herbert's involved. Yeah, Herbert's great. And their oh, yeah. uniforms are awesome. And I like yeah. their offense. I like their... They sling the ball, and I love uh, – yeah, I, li- I like that team. That team's fun. That seems easy to like. They're, and yet, nobody goes to their games. <laughs> so. yeah. Well, L.A., you know. <laughs> L.A. Well, they did move recently. I I, I didn't I, like that move. Didn't like that move. Understandable from a financial perspective, but yeah. They were a little – they were unlucky in several ways. Number one, I just talked to a Chargers fan about this. She's pissed because – it went on for years of every year. They talked about moving and didn't yep. move and we're thinking of moving and we almost moved and then we didn't and we're staying here and yay, we're here. And, and then they moved and it was just like annoying. Like it really, she's, she's done with them. She doesn't even care anymore. And then they also, so they did that and kind of fucked things up. And then they moved to a city with the other team that was moving to the same city. That was weird. And that, and that team was really good immediately. It was yeah. Todd Gurley and that run, and it was Super Bowl and playoffs, and they sort of stole all of the would-be newcomers to an L.A. team, went to the Rams, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I and thought the- that was such a bizarre scenario to have two teams go to a new city at the same time. That was very strange. Yeah. Oh, oh, Glenn's chiming <laughs> Glenn and I are playing uh, in fantasy I have a like a one and a half point lead or something, and he has one player going tonight. So basically, I need him to fall down the stairs on the way to the field. DeAndre Hopkins. I don't want to. I don't want to issue. Well, you know, Oof. maybe he gets like two passes. <laughs> maybe he gets suspended in the next hour for another PED situation. I would hate you or know slaps a ref or something. You know, get a little hamstring pull like T Higgins did on my team and got zero points. That sometimes happens in fantasy. You never know. Um, all right, let's do, uh, let's do a little quiz time. All right. All right, kids, put your thinking caps on. It's quiz time. This I always team... like when Glenn plays a guitar live, by the way, <laughs> adds a lot to this. The people yeah. not, wa- not watching don't get to see it, but seeing him play every time behind you is really sad. <laughs> it's a funny image. 
He's got time on his hands. He's available. He looks like a guy who can play the guitar. He is definitely not, but he does look like he would be. He looked even more so back in the day when he had a mullet, full-on flowing mullet. Uh, This team has the longest postseason victory drought in NFL history. The Lions. That is weirdly not the answer. Let me give you a hint. From 1947 to 1998, this team did not win a playoff game. Oh, so with not not act not the longest active streak, right? The longest streak. Okay, that's what I was gonna say. It had to be uh, okay. Postseason streak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, well, you know, it's not the Vikings because they did pretty well here and there without winning the Super Bowl. I would say it's the Browns. No, the Browns. No, because the Browns were good for a little little spot. A couple there years the ago, the Browns were good, and actually ten right. years ago they were weirdly. Well, good I was thinking po- maybe before Baker, but yeah, like ten years ago they had a little a little they run had that there. Braylon Edwards year that was kind of fun. Yeah, and... the Raiders? No, no Madden Raiders. I don't know who is it. It is the Arizona Cardinals. Oh yeah, of course. I didn't even know the Cardinals were around in 1947. Well, that's time they were probably the St. Louis Cardinals, right? Or the I Chicago Cardinals that. before they'd gone to St. Louis. They moved they from somewhere get... else to St. Louis, right? That's the kind of thing. Yeah, Ron I think Milford there were Chicago has. Cardinals and then went to St. Louis and then went to uh, to Arizona. Oh, they were definitely maybe. in St. Louis for a while. Oh, Ron guessed Browns. Jerry guessed Bengals. Kurt guessed Falcons. The Falcons went a to a guess. Super Bowl, man. Didn't you remember they went to a Super Bowl? They were one coin flip away from winning the Super Bowl. <laughs> Not really, but. I still get PTSD um, flashbacks to that Super Bowl, and it wasn't even my team. <laughs> Glenn got it right. Cardinals. Nice job, Glenn. That'll be your one victory tonight. Go ahead and chalk it up. Ah! Ow, my hammy. Um, uh-huh. This is a weird one. Have there been games played every day of the week in the modern NFL? Yes. But only recently, because of some of those weird snow cancellations, I think they had some Tuesday and Wednesday games. Okay, that's interesting. First of all, the answer is yes, they have. And I thought the answer was because of COVID, we had a Tuesday and a Wednesday game a couple yep. of years ago. And then, uh, but according to this, these things have already, had already happened. There was a because Tuesday of the holidays, game. Probably. Yes, there was a Tuesday game back in the day because of a Pennsylvania blizzard. There was a Wednesday game because the NFL moved the Washington New York Thursday night season opener because it so it wouldn't overlap with John McCain's speech at the Republican convention. Oh, that was not that? that long ago. I don't remember that. I was working at the Republican National Convention for a newspaper that night. So oh, wow. I wasn't able to watch football. I was uh, getting shot with tear gas and beaten up by cops. I have no memory that they moved a Thursday to a Wednesday because of the uh, political party speech. That's but it crazy. is the big night. That's weird, though. It seems like the, I mean, the, the NFL schedule is way out in front of when the Republicans are doing their speech scheduling. Yeah. Seems like they would avoid them. Yeah. Wow. Um, although I do remember watching a, I remember going to a bar a few years ago to watch Hillary debate Trump during a Falcons game. <laughs> At halftime. No, it was during <laughs> it was during it was the same time and we found a bar that had both of the things and had the sound from the debate on mm-hmm. and then the Falcons game was I think it was a Monday night. That makes me smart. <laughs> uh and some Friday and Saturday games have been because of Christmas or New Year's. Sure. Uh, by the way, what do you think about I don't like the Saturday game bullshit this week. Oh, I love it. I hate it. It's, it's going to kind of screw up more. my life personally, but I like it generally. Uh, it's kind of helpful for me because I can just watch the Vikings at noon, but I would be annoyed if it was in the evening. I don't like a Saturday evening game. I got I got life going on. Uh, I just don't like that they're all on the NFL network either. I think that's stupid. Oh, is that true? All of them? Every single game is on the NFL network. Now, I get to watch the Vikings game because it's local. They, they broadcast all the local games, but the only reason they do this is to pitch the NFL network. There's no good reason for it otherwise. Hmm. I don't like a market driven decision like that. It is interesting that everybody wants their little piece of the NFL, right? You get the Thursday, you get the thing and the Sunday and the Fox and the CBS and everyone has like a little, I had it. So I don't mind, I guess, but it's still stupid. 
Yeah, I hear you. Um, since 1988, every team in the NFL has played in a conference championship game, except for one. Well, the Lions. Weirdly, the answer to that is is no. But I, I thought they had oh they hadn't won a playoff game. So maybe was there was there one year where they were good enough to get to the conference championship? But that's what I don't. This one, this one, I have, I have I question this one. This one doesn't even sound right to me. I thought the Lions hadn't won a playoff game for like fifty years. They but but you could have the buy. There's a weird stat. I should have had this stat ready. It's something like if it's not exactly the year and the games, but it's something like the Lions have won. They won more playoff games in 1958 than since 1958. There's um, one of there's one of yeah. those kind of stats for the Lions. Um, but yeah. So all right, give me another give me another losing franchise. Bengals. Wait, but wait, wait, or, or this is before like since '88. So okay, well, it's obviously not the Bengals then. It's not the Jets. I mean, Cardinals is not the same. It's not the same answer, right? That'd be boring. No, no. Okay, that would be too boring. Yeah. Has never won. Texans. <laughs> That's correct. Texas. Oh, it is Texans is okay. correct. Okay. So you're a winner, my friend. Well, not unlike the Texans. Yeah, all right. Last God, one here. Two. This is really not a question, but I can form it into a question so we can so I could tell you about it just for fun. I just saw this when I was looking for a question. Um all right, I'll make it a question this way. Were there NFL games two days after the JFK assassination? <laughs> I'm going to go yes. The answer is the, yes. The specificity. Because JFK was on a Tuesday. What day was the assassination? I'll read you this little blurb and we can discuss. Uh-huh. The commissioner made the controversial decision to play games two days after the John F. Kennedy assassination based on advice from JFK's press secretary, Pierre Salinger. He said Robert F. Kennedy told him his brother would have wanted the games to go on. None of the games were aired as television was providing wall-to-wall coverage of the assassination and its aftermath. Just after the early games kicked off, Lee Harvey Oswald was shot in the parking lot of the parking garage of the Dallas police headquarters while JFK's horse-drawn caisson, is that the word, was led through the streets of Washington. Roselle would call playing those games his biggest regret. His successor, Paul Tagliablu, would not make the same mistake after 9-11. Well, they missed Jack Ruby's interception. <laughs> you hate to, you know, that was a real red zone action, you know? Uh, this is all fascinating to me. I didn't know any of this or would have never thought well, about it. But why would they play two games? Like what? I thought JFK destination was on a Tuesday. I don't have it in front of me, but according to this, it was two days later. So it must have been uh, must have been a Thursday. I guess. Why would there Friday. only be two games on a Sunday, though? Were there only two? Or was it all the games? No, it said after the early games kicked off. So I assume it was shortly after. Oh, so probably maybe Eastern. they canceled the late games after Oswald got shot? I don't know. That's weird. <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't say that. Wow, it's fascinating. I I generally think you should continue to do the things that you do, otherwise the terrorists win, right? I kind of agree with that premise. Also, uh, you know, sports can be a nice distraction, and I know uh, some people want to look down on that, but like, people need distraction, especially in times of stress. And and so, I think being able to uh, to watch sports is helpful in that way. Ryan Chambers chimes in. Eleven twenty two sixty three was a Friday. Was a Friday. Okay. Did not know that. I, I knew the 11 63 because that's the title of a Stephen King novel. But Ron says, Does, Did Dallas lose that week? Oh, they did. <laughs> <laughs> Hurt the reputation forever. Glenn says, Tell a Dealey Plaza, Plaza story. All right. A million years ago. I, I suck at storytelling. These, these friends of mine have much. Well, you're in the right booth. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> My buddies have much better memories. We went to Dealey Plaza and we parked in sort of this like not perfect spot. You know, it was like a little bit of a questionable parking situation. We just wanted to run across and get a picture on the grassy knoll and kind of wander around a little bit. Um, uh, when we came back to the car, there were like uh, feds there who wanted to talk to us. There was something weird that happened that we 
like the license tag had was had fallen off or something and this was kind of it was it turned out it was on the i believe it was the anniversary of the uh, Oklahoma City bombing. <laughs> oh, okay. So they're like, like, why are these guys sprinting away from a car? There was like a confluence of next weird. To a yeah, kind of we we're just fucking drunk kids who wanted, like, you know, go take a look at a little piece of history. Yeah, it was like I think it was the anniversary of the thing, and somehow the license plate was missing. It was like fucking fishy as hell. <laughs> yeah. Oops. Yeah, that's Whoops. no good. Yeah, no, we're fine. We're just we're just idiots. We're just idiots. Interview us. Let us go. I've never They're been nice to Dealey Plaza. I always wanted to go. I when I was in eighth grade, I did a diorama of the shooting. I had a whole box and a thing, and a, I had it all laid out with the distances and all the stuff. Red yeah, I was, I, <laughs> <laughs> and I have Lee Harvey Oswald hanging by his toes to get the right angle. No. I was going to say, did you take a firm <laughs> stance on the angle? And the, 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 now here's you know, the third shooter. Got a little Jim Garrison on everybody. <laughs> That's funny. I don't. I don't remember it being politicized at the time, but uh, but yeah, I suppose it's debatable at some point. Um, all right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. We appreciate you. Uh, go uh, jump on uh, jump on the sponsor. Get a little underdog action in your football life, and it's a little thank you back to the uh, back to the All Pro Lines community. Uh, if you if you're looking for a gift for somebody for Christmas and you're not sure, what to, try Cameo. How about me? How about me roasting your dad's team for a few beats and wishing him a Merry Christmas? That's fun. Or mom, or sister, or I don't mean to make it a gender thing. I'm just telling you, when I do shows, the thing I hear the most after shows, even out of the mouths of beautiful women, is my dad loves you. <laughs> That's your demographic. By the way, every That's time, you know, thing. we did those, Krista, it was very nice, but that cameo where we, we got cameos for you and put them together as like a roast for a bunch oh, of people. Oh, yeah. But yeah, we, yeah. one of the people, I always think it was Gene Steratore. And now that Steratore is like, a, you know, he's on TV more because he's like the analyst or whatever. I just, I can never forget his cameo. I thought he was so funny because he, like some people didn't want to do it. And I love that Steratore would read, I wrote all these jokes for Steratore about you for him to read. And he would read them. And my favorite part was he would read the joke. He never got the joke as he read it. But then he would get to the end, think it was stupid. And then you'd see him get the joke. And he'd be like, oh, that's a good burn. So <laughs> I he, know. He, he never believed it was going to be good until the Every end of Every time I hear his voice, he's still on all the time. Every time oh, yeah. I hear his voice, I think of that. And I am... Uh, it's hilarious to me that he literally cold read the joke for the for the taping. He didn't read it once. Didn't read it once. First, was, and then read it for the taping. It was so fun for me to watch him get <laughs> the jokes that I was like, "Oh, I'm making Gene Steratore laugh." But I was like, "You also could like just one time, just a once over, just to just to have the beats down, you know, just to have the timing." It's he, so funny to me that he didn't read it until he was taping it. And he figured real. he could rely on replay. <laughs> they could go to the booth. <laughs> and then I, I interviewed him last year at the Super Bowl, and I brought this up and busted his balls about it. He was great. He rem- there's no chance. Did he remember it at all? I, he didn't. It didn't seem – I didn't put him on the spot, but it didn't seem like he did. But he was humored that I remembered it and was busting his chops about it. Like, he was totally a good sport about it. I, you were just cold reading the jokes. You had no idea what they were. And then you would kind of laugh when you got to the – I basically just did what you and I did about it to him. It was fun. Yeah, the guy from <laughs> This Is Us, like, really – he clearly, like, prepped the jokes and he was, like, really on them. And Sterator oh, that's was right. Like, he was uh, – yeah, he was, he was like, great. he did some homework. Right. But Steratore was great, too, because they did – he would read – he would read some, like, really mean stuff about you, but he would read it like kind of seriously because he didn't know where the beats were and he goes, oh. <laughs> like he would just get real delighted at the meanness so he's like oh, okay i'll take that <laughs> uh i got gigs coming up i'm going to brian's hometown minneapolis i'll be there yes. new year's week I'm, it's one of the best clubs in america i'm flattered to be there new year's comic this year uh wednesday to saturday new year's falls on a saturday it's very convenient you're going to be doing new year's jokes where are you going to be well so i'll probably be hanging out with you at acme wednesday and thursday Okay. Uh, I'll be seeing you. And then after that, I'm Friday and Saturday. I'm going to be in Fargo at the Uptown, uh, the, the Front Street Tap Room. Uh, they have a great little club there called The Cellar under, Underground. I don't think they're sold out yet. So if you're in the Fargo, Moorhead area and you don't want to go all the way to Minneapolis, uh, come see me or go see Kostaki on a Wednesday or Thursday. Go or Friday. Me, then go or see, Friday, yeah. Saturday. I'm doing right. one show Friday, two shows Saturday. Okay. Yeah. If you're if you're a hardcore comedy nerd in that part of the world, you can easily come see us both. That sounds like a great plan. Um, and then report back to us, and then we'll talk about you on the podcast. That's that's yeah. That's we'll, we'll probably do. tell you something to tell the other person when you see them, depending on what order. <laughs> you see the people. 
<laughs> yeah, that's great. Uh, and then uh, the following week, very first week of uh, of the new year, I will be in Indiana. I'm doing Terre Haute, Greensburg, and Lafayette. I'm excited about those gigs. Those are going to be fun. One of those was Jeff Oskey from the Bob and Tom from the Bob and Tom Show. I believe he's doing Terre Haute with us. Um, so that'll be fun. Uh, thanks, Brian. Always good to see you, man. Always good to see you. Uh, oh, let's let's uh, do one last thing here. Ron was saying, check out Chris Spangle's podcast on Dealey Plaza. Spangle does a great podcast. He is a thoughtful, good guy. Um, and he does a pod. I believe the podcast is called Libertarians. Liber- Help me, Ron. Help me give a proper plug here. Not be a jackass. Uh-oh. I should know this. I've listened to it a few times in a, and he was a guest of mine on when, when I did a thing uh, over 2020 and we talked about it a little bit. We disagreed about uh, universal health care. You know, these libertarians are pay for your own cancer problems. It's crazy libertarians, but I agree with him on most of the other things. So that was a good talk. We are libertarians. Thank you, Scott. Uh, check out. We are libertarians podcast. Uh, you, with, uh, you mean Chris it's not Angle. called? Well, actually, <laughs> libertarians are all over the map in the old days they were they were odd like like what you're saying they were odd intellectual weirdos and now there's 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 every possible tent of libertarian there's the weird right-wing libertarians there's the weird left-wing libertarians there's people who are basically Republicans, but Republicans aren't hardcore enough, right? There's a whole bunch of different versions of libertarian. There's people who just want their abortions and drugs. <laughs> there's Not people, that order. There's people who think you should fucking pay for your own libraries. That's not a government job. There's all, there's some hardcores. There's an interesting group of them. But anyway, uh, Chris, Chris is a thoughtful libertarian. Uh, anyway, we found one. We found one. There's a bunch of them. There are different versions of them. Uh, Debatable. <laughs> all right. Different this, podcast. Is, this has been <laughs> on and off. This has been all pro lines. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Brian. We'll talk to you guys soon. <laughs> Wait, where is the thing? All right. Here we go. <laughs>